Who am I? Well, I'm the princess of the Puget Sound. That's a coma tent. And voted Spanway's most talented drag queen on 152nd and Pacific Avenue. Loving the life. And you are listening to Life with me, Loving the Life. I want everyone to listen. But some, if not most, episodes might be considered inappropriate for folks under legal voting and drinking age. So, if you're underage and you're listening, I'm telling your mama. Now, why would you listen to my random little show here on Beyonce's internet? Who knows? Me. I knows. We're gonna talk about things that you, the people, think matter. And things that you think don't matter. In the larger scheme of things. Music, politics, movies, the weather, history, history, money, lack of money, your problems, my problems, our problems. Now I personally can't guarantee you'll learn anything, but I can guarantee that it will be interesting, or moderately interesting, at the least mildly interesting background noise to get you through. So, here is a quick outline of how the show's gonna go. Alright, what we're gonna do is we'll start off first with Ask Lavinda, where you can ask me any question about any topic. Advice, comments on the show, and just random things. Um, next we got things that bug me, issues I'm currently having with the world, or just from day to day. We'll also have interviews. I'm going to interview queer and people of color that have interesting or seemingly controversial jobs, hobbies, or lives. We're going to have an Ask Wayne segment where you can ask Wayne any questions you may have about hair care or businessing things. I don't, I don't know much about business. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just a mouthpiece. Wayne's the brains, or at least that's what I tell him, so that he'll leave me alone and let me sleep. (laughs) Um, Upcoming events and appearances, I'll let you know where you can find me next, where you can see me next, where you can hear me next, where you can be near me next. And then, ask the listeners. We're going to ask you any ideas that you may have for the show. You know, the idea for the show like our lives, is to evolve after a season or so. To accomplish that, I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear your ideas so that I can take your ideas and use them as my ideas. Or as a guide map to keep you all interested so you keep listening to me. Will you listen if I talk about the things you want to hear about? Or should I just keep talking about things that I want to talk about? Maybe we'll do a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. So, let's get this thing started. Hello, everybody. And thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today to Lifelines with me, Lavenda Life. 
I'm your host, Lavenda Life. Voted most popular drag queen on 152nd and Pacific Avenue in Tacoma. And today, we are going to start off with Ask Lavenda. So, first question that we have on the docket is... Probably just do one question today. Then we will head over to the next segment. This is not the first time I'm reading it, but the first time I'm actually giving it these any any thought. Lavenda, why is dating so hard as you get older? Why is dating so hard as you get older? People get old. It happens. I mean, I'm not old. I've never been old. I don't know what that's like for people. But people get old, you know, and... A lot of the times when you get older, uh, you mature, you learn more about yourself, and you know what you will and won't put up with in a relationship. Or at least you have a really good idea of what you don't want to put up with in a relationship. And trying to make sure, trying to find somebody that uh, meshes with that can be difficult, especially when you're dealing with somebody else who's who's in their mature phase. <laughs> and you know is more hesitant to you know just let random people in so I think that's really what it comes down to you know try to open yourself up a little bit more um, we all have our own baggage which causes us to close ourselves off to people into the world so try to just be a little bit more open to you know new experiences new people you know I tried some new experiences. Um, I got I got tied up one time. It was interesting. It was very very interesting. Not my thing, but it was interesting. <laughs> Gender expression. Today we're going to talk to someone about their experiences as a trans man. Some basic info on gender expression and what living their life to the fullest means to them. I am here today with Daniel Inslee. Hello, Lavinda. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, you know. Just out here living life, living the dream. You know the usual. Daniel, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are he and they. He and they? All right, good stuff, good stuff. Now, Daniel, what do you do? Well, for work, I work at Oasis Youth Center. I am a development and partnership specialist, which means I help secure and find funding for our organization. I've been with Oasis for over five years now, and before that, I was primarily focused on youth programming, development, and facilitation. But what we'll be talking about is not related to Oasis. Just got to sneak in that little disclaimer. Very true, very true. <laughs> okay, dokie, smokey. So, you are a man of trans existence, not existence, experience. Yeah. Eh, like yeah, yeah. Okay, so you are a trans man. Now, there are, from my perspective, lots of questions that people have for trans people in general. And I want to say that this interview will go based off of a lot of your own personal experience. 
events. So this isn't anything specifically for the trans community as a whole, but for you specifically. I'm not a spokesperson for trans people around the world. You're not? No. What you know, are you I've doing? Been, I've been working on it. Oh, okay, uh, okay. But the, the enrollment process is very <laughs> so, yeah, I'll let you know. How has recruitment been? Uh, you know, pretty good, but it's a little scary out there, so, <laughs> yeah. Completely understandable, completely understandable. This world is a lot scarier than we like to give it credit for. So, if someone wants to know somebody's gender identity, but doesn't want to be offensive, is there a polite way to ask? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I also do a lot of training in the community. So one of the things we talk about when I do those is the difference between curiosity and necessity. Uh, so, yeah. Is this something you need to know? Like, are you trying to help this person? Or is it just something you're curious about? And it's not necessarily that one is wrong and one is better than the other, but I think having that context going in is important. Mm -hmm. I think it also depends on who you're asking, right? Is yeah. this someone who is a friend or you have rapport with? Uh, or is this just a random person on the street? A random person trying to use the trans? bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so we want to be considerate of the context. But I think a way to approach it is, you know, allowing for there to be an out for that person if they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. If, you know, not everyone wants to talk about the experiences they've had in life, whether it's related to, you know, a trans identity, sexuality, any of those things. And so I think a way you could ask that question is, you know, like, I'm curious to know what your gender identity is, if you're comfortable talking about that with me. If not, totally fine. But if you have any resources or things like that that I could learn more about different gender identities, I'd appreciate it, things like that. So I think making sure that we're leaving it open so a person has the opportunity to say no genuinely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, making sure that they feel comfortable and safe enough to you know, actually give their actual answer to the yeah. person who's asking that question. Yeah. Okay. All right, that sounds, that sounds very, very good and very informative. So, a common misconception is that gender identity and gender expression are connected to sexual or romantic attraction. Could you explain the difference of the two to, you know, like the average person? Yeah. So the way I think about the difference is that a person's gender identity and their expression of that is really the relationship you have with yourself. And so, when you wake up in the morning and you're like, how do I feel today? Right? What clothes do I want to wear that makes me feel good? That's kind of the relationship you have with yourself, and that's gender identity and expression. And sexual orientation is the relationship you have with others, right? Uh, and it can also be romantic attraction, like you said, things like that. Um, so yeah, one is your relationship with yourself, and the other is relationship you have with other people. Okay. That's, I would say, the easiest way I describe it. Gender identity has kind of three main components, I would say. So gender identity is how a person identifies in the current moment. And then you also have sex assigned at birth. So in our country and many around the world, when a child is born, a doctor would take a cursory look at external <laughs> genitalia uh -huh. and decide male or female, mm -hmm. right? And so let's say a child is born and a doctor's like, it's a boy. You're like, well and dandy, the child's healthy, lovely. That child grows up, and as they're growing up, and they're finding language and ways of expressing themselves, they're like, yeah, I am a boy, right? And so those things are the same. So that would be someone who's cisgender. So they identify with the sex assigned at birth, 
which has a corresponding gender expectation, gender role, all those things, right? Mm -hmm. And they identify as the same. Whereas someone who is transgender grows up and they don't feel that connection to what they were assigned at birth. So that's two parts. And then the third is what you said earlier, is expression. And expression is really how you share your gender and who you are with the world. Mm -hmm. And those things aren't tied together either. So it doesn't matter what you were assigned at birth, it doesn't matter how you identify now. Clothing and the way we express ourselves doesn't inherently have gender. I'm wearing a t-shirt and it doesn't have a gender by itself. Right. say like, oh, this is a men's shirt, this is a women's shirt, things like that. But I think the world really opens up to everyone when you think of expression that way, that like these things don't have a gender, it's just what do you feel comfortable with? What makes you feel great? So yeah. Okay, cool. I really like that answer. I myself am a drag queen. I dress as what people would identify as a woman and what a lot of people identify women dress like. But I myself, in my day-to-day -day life, am not a woman. Yeah, and I think that's a great clarification as well, too, because sometimes people are like, oh, trans people are like RuPaul, mm -hmm. you know, very well-known drag queen. Yes. Um, and it's different, because typically when folks are performing in drag, they're performing a different gender than they identify as, mm -hmm. and it's also kind of, you know, it's it's a show, it's a performance, it's having fun with gender yeah. in a way that kind of challenges these gender expectations we have for people. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that trans folks don't do drag. I also have done drag in the past as a man. What? My drag name is Christian Mango. <laughs> Like, I didn't know how to perform gender in a way that was comfortable, mm -hmm. and drag gave me an opportunity to just play with gender and have fun with it, yeah. and, you know, just dance around. Yeah, I think, I think drag does that for a lot of people. You know, it gives them the opportunity to uh, try an exaggerated version of something that they want to explore. Yeah. You know, that's why, like, there are straight people who do drag, there are trans people who do drag, there are gay people who do drag, there are actors who do drag, Tyler Perry. A lot of drag, <laughs> yeah, but he is super straight. Mm -hmm. so it's just a way to have fun, and mm -hmm. I think too, like in our society, like we are very strict about gender, especially policing gender norms. Mm -hmm. And so, having an outlet that's creative, like drag and expressive, that just lets you play mm -hmm. in a way that isn't often acceptable in every day is, is really a cool opportunity for people. Yeah, something that I always say is, I can't tell you who you are, you tell me who you are. Yeah. Just because I look at you and I see what my background says that you should be, doesn't mean that that's who you are. Yeah. You know, and that goes into, you know, race and gender, you know, people in general. Yeah. Um, just because somebody has a missing eyeball doesn't mean that, you know, they got in a game fight. Maybe they weren't born with an eyeball. It's possible. Too. Maybe they were going through some tough times and sold it. You know, people there's donate, high demand. There's maybe. high demand for eyeballs. People donate blood. People donate plasma. People donate eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> so, you are currently in a relationship. You are married now? Yeah, I'm married. Yeah. Okay, cool. How long have you been married? Uh, we got married in October. Nice, nice, nice. And if anybody doesn't know, today is February 5th, <laughs> 2023. Yeah. So, prior to you and your wife begin a relationship, was dating as a trans man difficult for you? 
puts it in <laughs> I mean, I think the idea of dating is challenging for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I, I don't want to speak for other people, but I think just with social media and dating apps and things like that, it can feel intimidating to say the least. Fair. Um, actually, after I came out as trans, I had only been into relationships. So oh, I was in okay. a relationship with someone in high school, and we just kind of had different goals dreams and things. And I was a little bit older, so I was going through college, so we were kind of drifting apart naturally. And then I met my current wife, and I would say it was it was kind of scary because I was very early on in my transition, which is a different experience for everyone, but I was on hormone therapy, kind of going through that, finding how I was comfortable just being myself, and so that was kind of scary. And also, like, the idea of how do you tell a person, when do you tell a person, those are, like, really personal choices to a lot of people. Very. Things like safety is a huge thing yeah. coming into it, you know, depending on who you're dating. Like, I was primarily, you know, looking to date women at the time, but if I was looking to date men, like, that could be potentially scarier for me, or, you know, it just depends on your experience and comfort, you know, dating in general. Mm -hmm. But I would say most of my, like, nerves around it were just, like, the idea of dating. You know, I was young when we met. I was 18. Mm. Um, so I was still a little baby. <laughs> um, not that I'm old now, but... <laughs> of course you're older. not. No. Yeah. So yeah, it was just kind of scary. I think the biggest challenge around it came when, like, she didn't even realize that I was trans, I guess, initially. Mm. And she had shared with her family that, like, she met someone who was really great, and just, you know, he's a little bit different, he's trans, and that was a problem for, for those folks. But I, we've since moved through that, I would say, the majority. But yeah, I think it would, like, in hindsight, looking back and thinking about now, like, if I weren't in a marriage and committed relationship, like, the idea of dating is intimidating to me. Yeah. And those questions around, again, like, disclosure, how to do so safely, things like that definitely come to mind. Yeah. And it, it really depends for people, you know, when they disclose their trans status, because, again, things around safety. I know some people just have it in their bio because they don't want it to be like a conversation that they have to have like it's this big thing yeah because it's just a part of people and i think there's more that you know i have in common with the everyday person than i don't <laughs> i just happen to have an experience that's a little different which I'm um well that's great because like um everything that you just said like leads into a whole bunch of other things that we were gonna go over during this interview so you talked about safety. Do you feel Washington and Tacoma safe places for trans people? I think um, on the surface, Washington is seen as a very progressive state. We have a lot of legal protections in Washington. We have access to healthcare and trans-affirming care. It's written into state law, but that uh, doesn't mean safety necessarily. True. Because it's just a more complicated answer because there's different areas within Washington that are more conservative and more liberal. It kind of depends on if you're in a rural area or in you know, the urban city environment. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be true across any state. More urban environments tend to be more liberal and have greater access. So I would say compared to South, yes, mm -hmm. it's safer, but that doesn't mean that discrimination and difficult things don't happen folks in Washington, mm -hmm. but I would say there's more support than in 
some states. Okay. I mean, there's research done by the Transnational Survey. It's the only survey that exists specifically surveying trans and non-binary folks Mm -hmm. throughout the United States that shows trans folks will delay medical care, won't seek medical care, things like that, because of fear of discrimination or because it's happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you talk about research, sometimes it feels really cold and distant, but even when I moved to Tacoma, I had to get a new doctor, Mm -hmm. and that was a lengthy process (laughs) in itself. Healthcare is just complicated and difficult to navigate, I think, really for everyone. But the first place I landed, you know, this this doctor, this medical professional told me, I've never treated a trans person, you're going to have to tell me how to do that. And if I'm seeking a medical, you know, quote-unquote professional, like, that's not really something that gives me comfort. Yeah. To my knowledge, when you go to medical school, you're taught how to treat human bodies, and I have a human body. That makes sense. Um, and I also had people in the office, like nurses and things, who visibly displayed discomfort when having to touch me and things like that. And that was really awful to experience. And thankfully, I knew that I didn't have to go there. I had resources to go to a different doctor and navigate that. But, you know, a lot of people, after an experience like that, you're just like, I don't want to be Right, right. So... Well, I'm really glad that you were able to have the resources to find alternative care because that's something that I know a lot of people of color have issues with going to hospitals as well because this country has not historically treated people of color well and that ends up trickling down through the generations with, you know, reasons why people had such problems with getting vaccines. Yeah, generational mistrust Mm -hmm. because of exploitation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and very very few apologies. Yes, few and far between. (laughs) Few and far between. Yeah. And that goes into, again, another question. So why do some people identify as transgender, gender nonconforming, genderqueer, non-binary? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways people identify their gender and communicate that to other people. One of the things that I do when I talk to folks about this is I'll ask the question, what do you think is the goal or purpose of language in general? Right? And a lot of times people say to communicate, to connect, and convey ideas, different things like that. And the way I define it is... As individuals, we are trying to express our uniquely individual experience of being human to other humans, okay. other people, right? And so when you think of it in that way, the idea that language adapts becomes very clear, right? We need to continually adapt our language to adapt to the experiences we have. And so when people identify in different ways, they're just trying to find the language that gets closest to their experience, which can't even fully be encompassed in a word, right? Right. Language often falls short. And so there's a lot of different ways to identify similar experiences because people are just trying to like narrow down what's the closest to what they have, and then maybe they can find another person who has that, and they can find community and support in that. And so I think really that's the reason there's so many different ways of describing gender and sexuality is in an effort to convey your experience to other people. And I think ultimately a lot of times to find community in that and support. Why do you think society gives people who don't follow gender norms such a hard time? There's a lot of reasons. (laughs) Um, There's a wonderful individual who talks a lot about this. Her name is Alok Vedanam. 
one of the things that they say is the reason that trans folks and gender nonconforming folks and things like that receive the most violence and hate is because we are highlighting the things that people have been taught to hate about themselves, hmm. right? So we're showing our truth and we're saying, I'm not going to be ashamed of who I am. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. And that is threatening sometimes to people who've been taught, no, you have to push that part of you aside. You can't mm -hmm. be your full self. And so seeing that is scary. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't understand. And I think that um, another part is that gender norms really are harmful to everyone, not just people who know go against them so to speak but toxic masculinity like is harmful to all men yeah right very and much it's so. also harmful to women because of the way that you know people treat women because of trying to be masculine in a specific way mm -hmm. and so it highlights the ways that everyone is oppressed by these gender norms and people get mad and they don't know who to be mad at so they're mad at us sometimes because we're we're bringing that up again Oh. Right, right, right. I completely understand that. You know, you go through life like hearing just casual com comments that people make, like, oh, she's over here trying to be a man. And, you know, just the disdain that you can hear in people's voices. Quit being a girl. What's wrong with being a girl? What's wrong with being a man? What's wrong with being a little bit of both? If that person is happy, you should be happy for that person. You know? men do this, women do this. I grew up primarily raised by my mother and my grandmother in my youth. And society tells you that women are supposed to be like homemakers and like just like taking care of the house. That's not the reality that I was living. Not at all. My grandma was running stuff, okay? She was out here running these streets. Not running these streets as in like, Oh, I'm getting out here and getting it down, but calling the shots. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> a lot of conservative people seem to believe that there is a war on gender. Is there a war on gender, and are we winning? <laughs> I don't think that there's a war on gender necessarily. I think there's more of a reckoning with what gender is mm -hmm. and that I, I think there's a trend of letting go things that don't serve or uplift people yeah. in the world and like I said these toxic ideals of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a person I think we're just saying like no like that's not what these things are yeah. and they're harmful to everyone and we're not gonna like keep accepting these things and I think especially that toxic part of it right like toxic masculinity is not an excuse anymore yeah. in the ways that it was and so I don't think that there's a war on gender I just think that the definition of gender is being expanded and there's there's more conversation about the multiplicity of gender experience and also we are winning <laughs> <laughs> because I think that conversation is so important right? yeah. um, for everyone what to you because again with like conservative media what are some of the misconceptions and the misinformation that you believe is being pushed out about trans kids 
And can you clear any of those up? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. <laughs> so, depends on how long you have. I have all um, night, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I think a big one is that these kids are brainwashed in some way or they don't know who they are and it's just, you know, this political correctedness, quote unquote, of, you know, just trying to do the right thing but really misguiding children. And the thing is about gender is that it develops for every person around the ages of three to five. So my educational background is in psychology and human development, uh, as well as gender and sexuality. Ooh, and so he's smart. I try. <laughs> and so this is something that has been researched over and over again, and is, is literally just a fact of the world, that that is when gender develops. And so this idea that gender is fixed when you're born is not true. It's a fallacy that we've been taught. And so you can't be brainwashed into this idea that you're someone you're not. And just because someone's young, like, doesn't mean they don't know who they are. Right. I work with youth, and a big thing is that youth often don't have a lot of agency. There's a lot of ageism towards young people. Yeah. You know, you're too young to understand this. How could you know type of thing. Consistently, what the research shows is that they do know. Mm -hmm. And that when they find the language to express that, it's important that you're believed. I mean, think about yeah. now, like, if someone were to tell you you're not who you are, right? Exactly. Like, well, I know who I am, yeah. right? You're like, you're not going to know who you are until you're at least 57. Yeah. So I think that's a big one. Another one, I think, and maybe it's less about trans and non-binary youth and more about adults, is this idea that they're predatory towards children and young people, and that also is not true. Oh, you mean um, you mean the, the grooming drag queens that are roaming through the streets? Yes. Uh, research also shows that, unfortunately, when children experience assault in that way, it's typically white heterosexual men. It's often people that the children know and often in their family. There's no recorded instances of trans not or non-binary folks or drag queens or kings or performers assaulting children. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. And if someone says it does, I would question where they're getting that information and if it's a valid source, because mm -hmm. it, it's just not true. I saw something recently, you know, part of that conversation around, you know, drag queens and drag grooming children. Honestly, the most dangerous thing that can happen if you bring your kids to a drag show is that someone who's against that happening will show up with a gun. And it's true. I did drag in my hometown, that's how I started, and Caesar is a really great friend of mine, Caesar Hart, and they put on all-age drag shows in Grace Harbor. And the youngest performer we had was four years old. Aww. And he was out there strutting and stuff and mm. just having a grand time and the amount of support and love that was for that child in that moment just to have fun. Yeah. Like is truly phenomenal to see. Yeah. And to see that it's okay to just have fun mm -hmm. and dance around and express yourself how you want to yeah. in a safe way. Like yeah. most people don't have that though. And that is a disservice to children. Very much. So having an environment that is safe to do that, I think, is so crucial. And it just makes me sad when people are like making these accusations that are unfounded and just based in fear mongering and age old stereotypes about queer people being yeah. sexual predators. Oh wait, are these supposedly uh, rumor drag queens? Are they also the same people who are assaulting folks and pretending to be a different gender to go to the restroom? Mm -hmm. Yes, oh, okay. yeah. 
Um, and for anyone listening, if you want to know the secret of what trans folks do in the bathroom, uh, we go to the bathroom and we wash our hands, which is 50% more than the majority of people. So, um, yeah, there's also no recorded instances of trans folks assaulting anyone or, or pretending to be, you know, the opposite gender to assault someone in the restroom. Usually it's quite the opposite. Trans folks are assaulted in the restroom because people decide they don't belong there. Yeah. You know, I remember in 2016 was the time where a lot of bathroom legislation was happening. And I'm aware that people can't see me, but if you were to see me walking down the street, you would not know that I'm trans. I so, so-called pass, which means people wouldn't know that I'm transgender unless I say so. And so if they want me to use the women's restroom, it's going to be a bigger issue because people will be uncomfortable. You know, I look like a man, I have facial hair, I have tattoos, you know, all these different, like I just, I don't look like I belong there because I don't. And so that would be a bigger issue and make more people uncomfortable, including right. myself. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. The doctor's not there. Well, um, that's very, very nice to know. And I, I know that I've, I've always said that if someone wants to attack you, they're going to attack you. They're not going to go through some convoluted plan, putting on an outfit and makeup to look like a, a specific gender so that they can go into a, a restroom and just wait in there waiting for children. Yeah. I mean, the restroom smells nasty. <laughs> um, yeah. People are pooping next to you yeah. all the time. Public restrooms are whack in general. They like, really, let's start there. really, really are. Like, especially in our country. Like, there are other countries that have public restrooms. They got the days. Floor, floor to ceiling doors, though. There's mm-hmm. not like these three inch cracks in the door. Yes. You know, only halfway to your waist. Like, if privacy and safety is the real thing, mm-hmm. then we need to look at the way that architecture is structured in public restrooms. Seriously. Because it isn't meant for safety. And why is there never hot water in the sinks? Yeah. I mean, I just wish that, you know, if we're going to have a divide on bathrooms, I would love if it was like, pee on the seat, not pee on the seat, because (laughs) nobody deserves that, right? Like, it's just, yeah. But, oh, also, spoiler alert, if you have a bathroom in your home, it's gender neutral. You lie. No. You come on my show and you tell <laughs> lies to my soon-to-be new audience yeah. that restrooms are gender neutral, especially right. restrooms in your home. Yeah. So you're telling me I don't have to put a sign on my restroom at my home to say that I specifically use this? Nope. Mm. You better call up that sign person and talk to you into it. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> That just don't seem right. That don't seem, that don't seem of what. Uh-uh. Yeah. There's actually some really cool modern concepts for public restrooms mm. that have it. So it's kind of like, it's floor to ceiling doors and stalls. So there's mm. privacy and it's kind of an open like galley way, mm-hmm. right? So there's no opportunity for anyone to be assaulting anyone in the restroom. Mm-hmm. And then the sinks are on the outside so that you just go Oh, okay. Like a communal hand washing thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I always find it interesting that when the people are talking that they're always saying someone's gonna go in there and they're gonna attack your little girl and they only care about children's safety when they're in bathrooms but not when you know they're, they're at school. school yeah yeah <laughs> they're at school or you know at the mall where certain people in politics can just you know 
try to follow you around and end up getting banned from that mall. Do you know how much stuff you have to do? How creepy you have to do to be banned from a mall? <laughs> I don't personally, but I'm sure it's, it's a, a lot. lot because um, people be acting wild. They malls. do. Yeah, they do. Oh my gosh. So there are, are many obstacles that make it harder for people to come out later in life. What do you think some of those issues are and what helped you in your coming out? Yeah, I think what makes it harder for folks who are older mm-hmm. is kind of sense that like, well, you've lived this long this way. Why are you trying to shake the bone? Mm. Right? Like you, you got through life, you know, this far. Why just, are you trying just, to change just, things? Yeah, up just now? tough it out. Mm-hmm. You know, don't rock the boat. That type of mentality. And also, it's hard. Like I would say, most of the time when folks are older, they kind of have their established communities, established support systems, things like that. And unfortunately, in our society, like it is still a very real thing that you can lose friends. You can just lose like family, out. yeah, family, your, your livelihood. Yeah, and so it's like, what the benefit of doing that when you have everything to lose, mm-hmm. kind of idea. And I think one of the things that helped me the most was just having that supportive community around me. I think community is honestly the most important thing for everyone doesn't matter what community is for you or what that looks like but having a support system around you is so crucial that honestly is is what saved my life and helped me you know realize who I was and feel comfortable with that yeah so that's the biggest thing okay cool 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 what do you think makes somebody an actual trans ally well I think allyship requires several things to be effective One of them is that you are active. You don't have to be in the streets every time there's a protest and things like that. There's ways to be active that can suit whatever comfort levels you have. Like if you're not comfortable being in the streets, Mm -hmm. that's fair. It's it's scary sometimes. Mm -hmm. But there's ways to do online advocacy. You can call up legislators, you can do other things. But yeah, being active is really important. Being a part of that community listening to them is huge a lot of times allies have you know really great intentions and you can't advocate for a community if you're not willing to listen to them and let them tell you what they need yeah right it's not my job to know what's best for the black community because Mm -hmm. i'm not black Mm -hmm. i don't know and so i need to be listening Mm -hmm. more than talking making sure that we're using the privileges we have to advocate for the communities we care about in the ways we can, right? And so if you are a cis person who wants to be an ally to the community, one of the best things you can do is talk to people in your life who are cis and maybe don't have an understanding for trans folks and educate them because they're going to hear you more than they're going to hear me sometimes. Yeah. Because I'm already starting at a deficit for some people. Right. why would I listen to you? Yeah. Right? And so you have their ears if they're a part of your community. Mm-hmm. And so being able to have those tough conversations, I think is a really important thing for an ally to any community. And then also be willing to do your homework and admit when you're wrong. Like yeah. Humility goes a long way and nobody you know, was born into this world an expert in anything. Um, <laughs> I certainly wasn't, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, and so it takes time and it takes commitment and I make mistakes and I admit when I do and I commit to doing better right mm-hmm. and that's all we can that's all we can do really see that's what my dad actually told me a, a man is mm. is a man is somebody who takes care of their responsibilities and 
just takes accountability for their own actions. So just because you said something and you don't recall saying it doesn't mean you didn't say it. Mm -hmm. And if it's effed up, it's effed up. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge the fact that you effed up. Do your best to be better. Yeah, and I think definitions of what being a man is like that mm -hmm. are much better than you know boys don't cry exactly like that because anyone can show up mm -hmm. right and if that's a part of what being a man looks like to you then show up yeah right that's all it has to be it doesn't have to be you know you have to lift the most you can never cry and never show emotion and all these things a lot of times i think the way that people can be the most true is by showing up and showing feeling and emotion mm -hmm. and that is really strong like it's hard to be vulnerable yeah it's very hard to be vulnerable just from a person level yeah. you know you see it in the way that people interact with each other you know nobody wants to feel like they're doing too much nobody wants to feel like they're the first person to say i love you mm -hmm. um by the way i do love you i love you oh my god if he wasn't married <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, there's a, a long way that we have to go, but I think that we're getting, we're getting there. Do you think that things are getting better for the trans community? Big sigh. Um, yeah, especially with the last year. Yeah, I mean, the last few years have been hard, and there is a lot, a lot of legislation throughout the country that is trying to take protections away and go backwards. There's actually... An initiative in Washington State right now that I heard of recently that is pushing to quote-unquote detransition any trans youth under 18. And every leading pediatric health organization recognizes trans-affirming care as suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. And also that when trans folks, non-binary folks, you know, anyone who's not cisgender is able to seek affirming care and live authentically and is respected, they have the same health outcomes, healthier outcomes in some cases, as their cisgender peers, mm -hmm. right? So literally just like letting people be who they are yeah. and live their best authentic life is life-saving. Yeah. And so this is really scary to hear. You know, I'm hopeful that that won't pass in our state because like I said, you know, Washington is seen as a progressive state. We have a lot of protections and rights. We've had a lot of, you know, challenges and people rise to the occasion to fight them. But it's scary, yeah. you know? And for the youth that I work with, it doesn't matter if it's in Washington, if it's in Texas, if it's in Florida, this ideology and attack on trans youth is scary for them. Yeah. Right? But I will say to that, though, even in the face of all these things, what a tremendous amount of strength and courage and resiliency that these young people have to say, even though this is happening, I will not accept that I have to be someone other than I'm, that I'm not. Yeah. Right? I did a training recently, and I, there was a question that came in before the training that I did, and it was a question that was meant to cause a reaction. Mm -hmm. Do you want to give it to me? Yeah, I can tell you the question. Okay, so the question me, was... Me, I'm ready to react. Why don't you love who you were? Right? Damn! I addressed the question in the training, and I was like, it's not that they don't love who they were. It's that they love who they are so much 
that they are willing to say, this is who I am, authentically. It's hard to be your authentic self. It's hard to lead your life with integrity and your values and those things. Yeah. It's really hard. Very especially so. when you see this climate of the world that is attacking people like you. Yeah. The people you care about. And they love themselves so much so that they say, I am still who I'm going to be. It's amazing. I am so... I can't say proud because it's not like I raised these kids or nothing, but I am so proud of how open and honest these kids are out here, like, living their lives. Like, I could never imagine, like, coming out at the ages that they're coming out. I mean, I came out at, like, 16, 15, 16, Mm -hmm. but these kids, it's not even just the fact that they're coming out, but, like living authentically themselves. I had came out and I was still monitoring the way that I was walking through the halls at school. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can't go and like, make sure that I, I don't do the switch too much, even though I knew I wanted to walk like Janet Jackson everywhere. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Exactly. So much hip. Monitoring what I was wearing. At the time, I had a very like rigid idea of gender and uh, gender norms and whatnot. And not wanting to leave myself open to hardship. Mm -hmm. The hardest part was me coming out and then hearing stupid questions from straight people. Mm. Like, oh, you're gay. I love gay guys. My mom always said, like, you know, you can, like, always trust a gay guy. And, (laughs) you know, like, they're so much fun to shop with. And I'm like, I don't have money. Like, what do you mean shop? Like, are you buying me stuff? And they never were. They never bought me anything. Shame on them. It's unfortunate because I think, like, a lot of those ideas around what it means to be gay and stereotypes and things like that are really to commodify what it is to be gay. Oh, you mean like a GBF? A gay best friend? It's like, how can I have this person enhance me? Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I think it's it's truly inspiring to me every day. Yeah. Like, it's a privilege getting to see these youth grow into who they are. It seriously is. Yeah. And I just hope that they get to continue to do that. Right. Like, I, I, I hope all the best for them. I hope that their dreams come true. I hope that they get all the affirmations that they need. Something that, like, surprised me was the fact that some of their parents are still like in that negative like mind space because their parents are like my age Mm -hmm. and I am not old (laughs) by any other thing than paper. And actual time. (laughs) (laughs) Time is a construct. Time is, I know, I just read that 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 just came out. Time is a construct. Something that a lot of people say is that when all the old racists die, then there won't be any more racists. But these older people are still pushing their ideals on these younger people, which is one of the reasons why I understood the fact that some of their parents are still acting like this doesn't make it right. But I can understand and sympathize for their horrible, horrible view of the world. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I I do have a lot of empathy for older folks Mm -hmm. and for parents. I'm not a parent myself yet, but 
I think what happens when people find out they're having a child is they create this whole story mm. of what this child's life is going to be. And it's full of the best things, right? It's full of all the things they didn't have. Mm-hmm. It's, it lacks the hardships they did because we want our children to have better than we did. Yeah. We want them to succeed. We want them to have love. All these things. And we paint this beautiful picture. And when a child comes out as trans, maybe, or as gay, or, you know, what have you, cracks start to form in that beautiful picture. Or your child comes out as a DJ. Yeah, I mean, that (laughs) is a big one. But, (laughs) you know, these cracks start to form in that picture that they have created Mm -hmm. because they're having to confront the reality that their child is an entirely different human being. Yeah. And they're going to be. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes it breaks and it's not repairable for those parents. Yeah. They just can't see a way forward. Mm-hmm. Instead of adapting to the life and who their child actually is. And so it's literally devastating for them. It breaks their reality. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for it, but you know, one of the other things we hear sometimes and that I even heard is that, you know, when I came out, it's like I was dying. Oh my. Who they knew was dying. And it's literally the opposite. I was living yeah. my truth for the first time. And I was they were getting to see who I'd been the whole time, who I knew I was. Yeah. And they didn't get to see that before. So it's literally the opposite. I'm still alive, and I'm more alive than I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, that picture that people have in their head gets broken, and it's it's just devastating for them. Yeah. I completely empathize and sympathize. That's not something that anyone should hear from uh, someone that is, in theory, supposed to love them no matter what. Yeah. I mean, my I grew up with my grandparents, mm. and they've come a long way. Okay. Because they, they got to see that I was living. Right? Mm-hmm. They, got they got to, to see, see the, the that progression. I was happy, yeah. genuinely, in mm-hmm. my life, right? And so I think that has a huge impact um, when people's parents start to actually see their, their children thrive. Yeah. And see them more. And, yeah. You know, see their smile, really reach their eyes and who they are. Yeah. Right? That changes people, but... Growth is hard. Actually, mm-hmm. it's kind of a little corny, but literally the way I live my life is a saying. Mm-hmm. And it's no growth comes from comfort. I have a tattoo of it on my body. But that, growing is hard. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like seriously, like you you don't really learn things about yourself unless you are forced to learn things about yourself, like what you will and won't um, accept. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I love meeting different kinds of people. I love it. Just because, one, it teaches you about how to interact with different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to how to protect yourself from different kinds of people. And what you, as a person, will and will not accept in your life. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, associate with shady people. Um, actually, no, I do. I do. I associate with some very shady bitches. And these bitches know who they are. You're shady. You're shady. You're shady. But I love them. And I wouldn't associate with them if, like, the shade wasn't a specific kind of shade. Okay? It's, um, you know, when you and it's your like friend... It's like one of those love languages. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You know? And I think that that's an, uh, that's an amazing saying. It seriously is. Um, I would get that tattooed on myself. Um, if I was going to get another tattoo. 
I'm never getting another tattoo. I just the tramp stamp. Just the, it's that's it's the one. not a tramp stamp <laughs> because it's on the side of my okay. thigh. It's classy. Okay. It's We're very classy. classy. Love it. Very classy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was very lucky that I was born into a family that has, from what I know, accepted me wholeheartedly. And I wish that for any any kid. Yeah, everyone deserves that. Very really. much. I think a lot of the harm that exists is truly from generational trauma mm -hmm. and conversations around mental health, around living authentically, conversations like the one we're having don't happen in a lot of places, mm -hmm. especially not in a lot of families. Yeah, and in, um, not in a lot of like uh, POC families. Yeah. Yeah. Like all families have like messed up issues. But I feel like POC families have a lot more generational trauma. They do. And a lot of those, you know, sometimes, like, depending on the community of color, uh, like, Asian communities uh, are kind of stereotyped as being more conservative, mm -hmm. things like the that. The model minority myth. Yeah, yeah, all those things. But a lot of those more conservative ideals um, come from colonization, mm -hmm. come from you know, the ways in which they have been oppressed and yeah. eradicated, tried to be eradicated and things, right? Like, pre-colonization ideas around gender for indigenous folks were much more expansive, mm -hmm. right? And then you have um, Western thought, Christian thought coming in and saying, no, this is the binary, this is the way things are, literally outlawing their culture yeah speaking in their language yeah, yeah and like all those things and unfortunately that was so strong that it still has ties to a lot of our cultures yeah in negative ways but i think there's also a lot of healing happening for folks of color when we have these conversations and recognize yeah. that these are identities and ways that our people have existed since the beginning of time yeah that's amazing. Daniel, are there any words of encouragement that you have for anyone who is listening and might be trans or gender non-conforming, non-binary, or just a queer person who's out here being a gaby? Yeah, I would say you are perfect just as you are. You don't have to even know what that means yet. It's okay to not know who you are, and it's okay to know who you are, too and find the people who will love you and accept you for who you are. Never accept anything less. Go team. Go team. I love that. I love that. Daniel, do you have any questions for me? Is there anything you would say to folks? Hmm. What would I say to the children? Or to the people in general? I would say... Do your best to have a strong sense of self. You might not be for everybody, but there are people that you are for. Search for those people, because you need those people in your life. Friends and non-blood family members are just as important, if not more important, than blood family members. You can make a family, you can make a family, you can make a family. Beautiful. So yeah, that's what I've got. Daniel, I'd like to thank you very much for coming in for this interview. I will make sounds out of my mouth later. And cool. hopefully more people will listen to it. 
Love it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes. All right, gang. So we will be right back with the next segment of Lifelines with Lavinda Life. Um, if you have any questions, quandaries, or conundrums, do feel free to email me um, at Lavinda life at gmail.com l-y-f-e at gmail.com um, if you have any questions if you have any um, suggestions for things that you'd like to hear on the show feel free to hit me up um, you can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram TikTok and um yeah, please make sure that you um, do check out some of the places that Daniel um, recommended. What was the um, the trans uh, with all of the the data information on the trans national survey? Yes, check Great out resource. the trans national survey. Any other resources? Um, check out Oasis. Mm -hmm. uh, we are an LGBTQ uh, resource and drop-in center. We serve folks who are 11 to 24. Um, check out Elope. They're on Instagram and things. And there's a great documentary on Netflix. I think it's still available. It's called Disclosure. And it talks about trans representation in media. Because media has a really strong impact on the way we view a lot of things, but Very specifically so. like different communities, narrated by Laverne Cox. Oh, um, talks about a lot of different folks who are in media. Janet Mock is in it as well. I love Janet Mock so much. Beautiful human being. So much so. Yeah, I got to meet her once. Nah. -uh. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to meet her. I'm a Pride Scholar, and they had her come as, as a speaker, mm -hmm. and I have a picture with her. That's amazing. I would love to meet Janet Mock. She's saw, truly phenomenal. I saw pictures of her wedding, and it was like the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen since I saw Solange's wedding pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has wonderful books, too, that talk about her experience. Mm -hmm. um, her experience of knowing her gender with certainty and you know, navigating that also as a woman of color yeah. uh, who grew up in Hawaii yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. If I can get Janet Mock on here, I would yeah. be able to like have a bidet just follow me around. It would be great. Yeah. It would be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much again, Daniel. I really appreciate you. Um, Absolutely. Love supporting I, I, I love your support. I love your support. I think you are an amazing person. I can't wait to see what the future brings for you. I hope it is cookies and cakes and... Um, as long as it's gluten-free. I hope that your gluten allergy disappears <laughs> with age. True. That would be better. That would be better. That would be better because gluten is where all the flavor is. So, yeah. All right. Good stuff. All right. We'll be right back. Things that bug me. Something that's been bugging me is people and politicians who use children and women to hide their true biases, their true negative opinions of different groups of people. Don't pretend like you care about women and children when you're trying to 
disenfranchise people or when you're trying to take away the rights of certain groups of people because any other time you don't care about the health of women and children you're not worried about children going hungry you're not worried about the fact that women have to pay for menstrual products when that's something that they have to deal with for a large portion of their life and it's not something that they're they're causing they're not going and saying oh you yeah, know let me go get my 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 monthly period pack you know pay my 9.99 a month so that i can make sure that i have a period that's not what they're doing this happens naturally and you're forcing them to have to pay for sanitary napkins for uh, pads, tampons. And they have to work when they're in, when their body is in pain because it's doing something that it would naturally do. You're, you don't care about women. You don't care about how women are living their day-to-day -day life. If you did, you would treat women like they were just people in general. You don't care about the safety of children. If you did, there wouldn't be as many uh, school shootings as we have you would find a way to make sure that stuff like this isn't happening you don't care about children you would make sure that they have proper educations that they have teachers that are being paid the amounts that they need to be paid so that they can properly educate these children so that they don't have to deal with burnout you probably shouldn't have 20 children to one teacher trying to make sure that every single one of those children is getting a proper education, knowing good and well that people learn differently and at different rates. So education needs to be catered to the way that, that specific person learns. You don't care about children. You don't care about women. So quit pretending like you do when you want to hold different groups back. So that's something that's been bugging me. As we all know, eyelashes, electronics, wigs, and space rental don't grow on trees yet. They're working on it. So we need dollars and cents to keep this going. And while I hate to put my cup out for change, here's my cup. Hopefully you're enjoying what we've put together so far and want more. If so, please drop some pennies in my cups, labeled Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. You can Venmo me at hairbywainer-lavendalife, H-A-I-R-B-Y-W-A-Y-N-R-L-A-V-I-N-D-A-L-Y-N. At Cash App, Wayne Rouser, W-A-Y-N-E-R-O-W-S-E-R. -E and PayPal, Hair by Wayner, W-A-Y-N-R, H-A-R-B-Y-W-A-Y-N-R. In the subject, put like lines, so I can use it for the show specifically. Upcoming events! In conjunction with the Tacoma Rainbow Center, 
I'm hosting a queer trivia night on March 23rd at Incline Cider House from 7 to 9. There will be four rounds, 10 questions each, with one of those rounds being a round of name that tune an artist. You should come. <laughs> well, kids, that's the show for today. I hope you enjoyed our interview and it got you thinking. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode coming out on Monday. You can check the RadioTacoma.org website to re-listen to the show and share the link. Remember to send any questions or suggestions for the show to lavendalife at gmail.com. L-A-V-I-N-D-A-L-Y-F-E at gmail.com. All messages to the show can be as anonymous as a 2 a.m. sleepover if you'd like. Lastly, you can find me on any of the socials by Googling hashtag LavendaLife. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. All right. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And that's all for now, kids. Remember, Lavenda loves you.